So we're continuing a sermon series uh, called Covenant Essentials, and it's subtitled, Who Makes Us, What Makes Us, Who We Are. We started with Brother Craig. He shared uh, some with us about sharing the gospel. And then Kyle shared last week about creating community. And I've been asked to share today about living on mission as an essential vision for Covenant Church corporately and for us individually. Please uh, join me in prayer. Lord, we pray you would reveal yourself to us daily, who you are, your greatness and goodness. Help us to understand who we are in Christ, who you've made us and are making us in him. Give us understanding corporately and individually of what is what it means to be your heart and your hands and your feet in the earth. Help us to encourage one another and support one another in accomplishing all that you've given us to do together with passion, with diligence, with patience and grace, and above all, with that supernatural love that comes from you and you alone. Give us clarity of understanding and vision to know your will and to separate it from our own Strengthen and sustain us, Lord, so we may be a people that will not grow weary in doing good for your glory. We lean wholly upon you and your great love for us, the great enabling power of your spirit, which lives in us individually and corporately, and your great love, grace, and mercy towards us in Jesus Christ, your Son, and in his name we ask this. Amen. So my first point just to be clear from the start, is what is this mission that we're supposed to be living on? And I can't express it any simpler or any clearer than our church vision statement does. And that is to know Jesus and to make him known. If you've been coming here for any time at all, you've seen that and heard that a lot. That is the mission, that we would know Jesus Christ and that we proclaim his son and his kingdom to the world. This is what pleases the Father. And what is to be a source of joy and abundance of life for us and for all he's able to save. My second point, what does it mean to live on mission? Or perhaps another way to say it would be, what is what does it mean to accomplish this mission? It really requires that we embrace both parts of that vision. First, to know Jesus Christ, and then to make him known. So this next slide may seem axiomatic, but it's the key to all the doing that we wish to do. We can only make Jesus known to others to the extent that we know him ourselves. God has invited us to participate with him in the redemption of his creation, which was made possible by the sacrificial death of his son, whom he raised from the dead. The redemption of creation was accomplished by Jesus on the cross. It is being worked out in time and space through you, 
the bride of Christ, the church. But we cannot do anything of lasting, eternal value apart from knowing Him. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, accomplish the mission. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And one quote I really like from Kyle's teaching on creating community was, community is not something that we do, but something that we are. And this truth is equally applicable to our considerations today about accomplishing the mission of redemption God's given us. As soon as we hear the word mission, right away our minds start churning out a series of questions about what to do. And I could give you a list of many things that Covenant supports and does as a church which are accomplishing the mission of knowing Jesus and making him known. Things like Bowling Green Christian Academy, which has been providing Christian alternative education in Bowling Green for decades. The Daughter Project, which is working to help young women rescued from sex trafficking. Her Choice Pregnancy Center, helping women find alternatives to abortions. Families who are giving love and care to children and fostering. And our support for ministries abroad. A whole list of things. I could give you, all of you, a good list of things I think you should be doing. We could all make up lists of good things to do, especially for other people to do. But here's how Jesus responded when asked about things to do. They asked him, what must we do to do the works of that God requires. And Jesus answered this. The work of God is this. Believe in the one he has sent. Now, I'm sure they were expecting a list, but that's not what they got. Third major point, then. Whatever works, whatever mission God has for us, for me, for you, it starts with believing in the one that he has sent. And that apart from him, whatever we do will not amount to anything of real eternal value. And eternal value is how God measures value. All those specific ministries that I mentioned before, they're all expressions of the same thing. They're all expressions of a loving father's desire to heal and redeem a broken world. You may have heard me say something like this in a previous teaching. I kind of I seem to say it a lot because I constantly need to be reminded myself. There's two questions you have to answer for yourself. Who is God and who am I? And our answers to these questions ultimately define and integrate and give meaning to everything else in our lives. Everything. And mission, our mission, comes out of how we answer these questions. 
about who God is and who we are. And although I think sometimes people think otherwise, they're not questions to be considered once at some point in your life and then resolved and moved on from. They're questions we really we should ask ourselves every morning. When we wake up and rub open our eyes and realize that we're blessed with another day, to consider them afresh. They're questions that should recalibrate us every day. And when we stop asking and answering those two questions daily, we wander. We wander away from walking with Christ and we wander away from the mission that we've been given individually and corporately. We can wander. A church can wander off mission. And like uh, the the hymn says, we are prone to wander. They're prone to wander. I won't sing it. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Who here has a problem with wandering? That's okay. For we're called sheep. That's why we have a shepherd who loves us and is always seeking for us even when we're not seeking for him. So who is God and who am I are both answered in knowing Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ perfectly explained both of those things to us through his life and teaching. Hebrews 1.1 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and it many times in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him, also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus said in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. To which Philip replies, that's awesome, Lord. So, yeah, show us the Father right now. We're, We're ready to see him. But Jesus just said, you've, you've seen the Father. I'm, I really love it like when the disciples who lived and walked and slept and ate with Jesus are really d- dense, you know, because it gives me hope. So Jesus says, no, Philip, you've seen me. You've heard me. You know me. That's it. From now on, you've seen the Father. You know the Father. And I want to say to everyone here this morning, no matter where you are in your journey in life, no matter what your history or your current situation or circumstances, God wants you to know Him. He wants you to know Him intimately and personally and to know that He very much cares for you. He has a plan for you, for your life. If you want to talk it over with him, he'll reveal it to you. 
and it includes forever. You can know Him if you want to. If you're willing in faith to take a step toward Him, God promises that He will draw near to you. The verse that says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Every step we take toward God, He takes many steps towards us. Just ask Him. Pray this simple prayer. God, if you can be known, then I want to know you. Help me. And He will. So back back to our subject. I'm prone to wonder. Uh, First part of our mission, to know God. Second part of our mission, to know who we are. That's who is God. To know who we are in relationship to God and Jesus Christ. The mission of proclaiming Jesus will take shape in terms of the what to do's out of that knowing. It will take shape as we stop listening to who others say we are and listen to who God says we are. And here's a little bit of who God says we are. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's who we are. We are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. And that work's ongoing. Paul writes to the Philippians that he's confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And further on, chapter 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So as God is working in us, we are working with him. It's a partnership that God invited us into. So that's the being part. That's, the, that's who we be. We are God's ongoing handiwork. And back to Ephesians 2, here comes the doing part. The doing part is we are created in God to do good works. And to paraphrase the next part, things to do. We were created in God with things to do. Things that God has already set up for us to do to help him in this partnership to redeem his creation. Now, when we hear that, that God has prepared works for us to do, here's how we respond. Okay, give me the list. I'm ready to get going. You know, we want a list. At least, that's how I respond. But God says, I'll show them to you one at a time as you walk with me. That's it. I'm only going to show them to you one at a time as you walk with me. Why? Because in him, we can accomplish those things. Without him, what can we do? Nothing. 
we talked some about knowing who God is, redeeming the creation, and coming to know Jesus, who revealed the Father to us. And, we, and we're seeing a little bit about who we are. We're his handiwork, created for a purpose, a mission, to know him, to make him known. This is living on mission. Living on mission is daily renewing our awareness that there are good things God himself has prepared for us to do. Learning what they are, what his will is in contrast to our will, and committing ourselves to it. We discover these works walking with God. This takes practice. I've been at it for 40 plus years. And I'm better at it than I was, but I still got a lot to learn. It's something that we grow in, that recognizing those good works that God has for you to do. There's a reason God has you where he has you. Discover it with him and with us. And what you discover will be a source of joy and life to you and others. We're all missionaries. Because of historical and cultural associations with the word, the word missionary always conjures up images of somebody being sent out to a primitive, impoverished third world country. When I was a young Christian, I would say, yes, Lord, send me off to the wilds of Africa. Then I can really serve you. Actually, God did send me to the wilds of Africa, and it was, it was fantastic. Um, but that was the mentality about missions that was passed down to me. And certainly that happens, but most of us are not sent so much as put, you know. We're put where we're at. God has put you somewhere in a city, in a neighborhood, in a school, in a workplace, and that's where your mission work is. So how, how does this work practically? That's that thing that says, give me a list of things to do. You know, we always want lists of things to do. We're surrounded by lists. There's actually a place on the internet net you can go. I think it's called like the list place. And it just has lists of everything. You know? I can't give you a list of things to do. I wish I could. Only God knows how he wants you to serve him. So you have to seek him. And listen to him in prayer. And here at Covenant, the pastor, the elders, the ministry leaders are committed to helping you find out how you can participate in working with God by walking alongside of you and praying with you and supporting you and encouraging you and providing opportunities. But only he can reveal to you the works he has prepared for you to do. And you have to explore this with God. It's an exploration of who you are and who he's made you and what gifts and talents he's given you and how to employ those in serving him. The work he wants you to do will be different than the work he wants me to do. But ultimately, we're all working together to make him known and to extend the kingdom reign of Jesus Christ in the earth. I believe living on mission is best pursued living in community. There's so much that we can do to help each other in discovering 
what gives life and joy and produces fruit. So here's some closing thoughts just to consider how we can better accomplish God's mission and what works he's prepared for us. First one is be an agent of mercy wherever you are. There's two great commandments God's given us, to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Mark 12, one of the teachers of the law came to Jesus, and he noticed that Jesus had given them a good answer on some things, and he said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. But then the Pharisee goes on to ask, and it says, partly to justify himself, well, who's my neighbor? And I suppose the idea being that if he could define neighbor very narrowly, then it would reduce the scope of his obligation to love. But Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which you can read in, in Luke 10. And it's a very broad definition of who a neighbor is. It's not just the person living next door. The Samaritan's on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho and encounters this man who had been attacked by robbers. And a priest and a Levite just walk on by. But the Samaritan stops and comes to his age and bandages his wounds and takes him to an inn and picks up all the expenses incurred in taking care of this man who's a total stranger to him. So after telling the the story, Jesus poses the question to the Pharisee, who was the neighbor to the man who was attacked by the robber? And the Pharisee rightly replies, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do the same. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Go and do the same. Surprisingly, what God wants us to do, the works he's prepared for us, are most often right in front of us. They're the people who God has put in your path, who need his mercy and grace. And we need to help God see past the many distractions of our lives, And learn to identify our neighbor. We need by God's grace to cultivate a mercy awareness in all the places God has put us. To see our neighbor rather than to step around them. To engage them with mercy and love and the good news of God's redemption. And we do this, as we do this, we will begin to clearly see who our neighbor is and what our mission is. Next thought is, you have to make room in your life for mission. Expect to be inconvenienced. There are countless distractions in our lives, some just from the noise around us, and some that we create ourselves. I would encourage you, minimize those. Minimize the distractions wherever you can. You can't eliminate them. They're always there. And everyone's busy. There never seems to be enough time. But God's will is that you make room in your life, make room at your table, both figuratively and literally, 
for others. When we open our hearts and lives and homes to others, we create opportunities to make Jesus known. And in the best way possible, by inviting them to observe what God has done in our lives and the lives of our families and our faith community. How do you know when you're on mission? A good sign is when you find yourself inconvenienced. It's a good sign. Love and mercy are all about inconvenience. Jesus inconvenienced himself for us. But the blessing that you receive in serving God and the joy which comes from that far outweigh any inconvenience. It sometimes takes a little oomph to get past our initial resistance when God is asking us to do something. But the thing that you find is if you can do it, if you can embrace it, once you do, the blessing and the joy that comes from it is you start saying, man, next time I should probably reply a little quicker because that's what's waiting for me, that joy and that blessing. Last thought, one of the last thoughts. Don't despise little things, small things. Living on mission is made up of a lot of small things, and they add up. Sometimes we can be so busy looking for the big things to do that we forget the many smaller acts of kindness and mercy which God can use so powerfully. God is very creative in the way that he comes into our lives. He can use the smallest of things when they're motivated by sincere love and kindness for someone. If we have love in our hearts, and it comes from him, not from ourselves, God will be delighted to show us how to translate that love into words and actions. We have to have the love first. The words and actions that don't come out of his love don't accomplish anything. Remember, what can we do if we're not in him? Nothing. Next thing, don't under, underestimate the power of telling your story of grace. You might say, well, Brother Ken, my life is not all that interesting or compelling. And I say, says you. God says different. He says you're his handiwork and created to do great things. I'm going to a little uh, digression. Talking about being agents of mercy. Does anybody know who Kathy McCauley is? be really surprised if you do. Have you ever heard of Mercy Children's Hospital? Kathy McCauley was a woman living in Ireland in 1831. She had this desire just to extend the compassion of Christ to just the disadvantaged and uh, the impoverished around her. This was in Ireland. She started this thing called the Sisters of Mercy. And Mercy Children's Hospital is actually part of that, as well as 430 other places of health care, and probably, I think, around 34,000 people working for that organization. And I, I'm not saying that to promote Mercy Children's Hospital or whatever, but it, I went and read their mission statement, and it's really beautiful. Their mission statement is really beautiful in, in terms of like extending the mercy and grace of God 
Um, and I just thought, you know, 186 years later, just this thought that this woman had motivated by God to show mercy. And think of the thousands of lives that it's, it's affected 186 years later. And I, I say that just to say that when we embrace the works that God has prepared for us to do, amazing things can happen. Things far beyond the scope of what you may think you're capable of. I'm sure she didn't. She, she would be shocked to find out what had come from, from uh, what she did in obedience to God. And it's not so much the scale. You know, you may say, well, Brother Ken, I'm not going to start a, like, a worldwide health organization. Maybe not. You don't know. It's not the scale. It's the idea that one person acting in obedience to God in love can have amazing effects to many people. But don't underestimate telling your own testimony in making Christ known. The most convincing truth that you know about Jesus is the difference knowing him has made in your life. Tell someone. Make the good work that God has done in your life known to others. Always be prepared. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Don't smack with people with the Bible. That's not gentle or respectful. But give an answer for the hope that you have. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for the great mercy and kindness in our lives and for the hope that we have in you. For the love you've shown us in Christ. And as we live our lives, wherever you've put us, Help us to be aware of the good things you have prepared for us to do. Give us the strength and grace to do them for your glory. So that your kingdom does not come, does come and your will would be done in the earth right now. So that which is broken can be redeemed. So that lives which are lost can be found by you and restored. Help us to find our neighbor and make us agents of your mercy. Help us to know you even more so that we can make you known. Help us to do those things which are pleasing to you, those things which bring about abundance of life which you came to bring us. And we pray all these things trusting in you and looking wholly to you in your name and for your glory. Amen.